You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hi there. I can't believe this. Dr. Joan Salji-Blake here. It is the recap of season nine of Spot On. Wow. What a, what a jam-packed season we had. We launched season nine of Spot On by talking about cultural diversity in the kitchen. My first guest, my good friend and colleague, Maya Feller, she's a registered dietitian, launched a new cookbook. It was It's called Eating From Our Roots, Healthy Home Cooked Favorites from Cultures Around the World. It's all about enjoying the cultures of the world and getting back to the kitchen, but more importantly, grandma's kitchen. And I mean everybody's grandma. Let's listen. So I hope that this book actually encourages people to expand their flavor palettes mm-hmm. and encourages people to return to their kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, right, Joan? And also on top of that, I really hope that also people, because there's a, there's a huge love letter to farmers in my cookbook. You know, um, and I hope that people recognize that without farmers, we don't have food right. and farmers goal across the board is to make sure that we have access to food. So like, I want us to have diverse foods in our kitchens, in our pantries. I want us to love the farmers, the growers, the pickers, the packers, right? And then I want us to love the flavors. Right. That's really what I hope this book can bring forth, highlight, and inspire. Sustainability is a hot topic. And when it comes to sustainability, recycling is on the top of the list when it comes to protecting Mother Earth. And according to Dr. Caitlin Dow, it takes a village when it comes to recycling. Let's hear more. Recycling is this integral part of sustainability, but it will not fix our issues with consumption. We consume too many products that are then thrown away. And so first we have to reduce how much we buy and use. And then we should reuse those items as many different ways as we can. So if you get a glass jar, even if it's not plastic, this isn't just plastic, this is all materials, reuse that glass jar as many times as you can. If it finally breaks, throw it in your recycling bin, you know? Um, And so you can make craft projects out of some of these containers. There's lots of different uses, but we just think of getting rid of things and we don't think of where it goes after it leaves our home. And so it is reduce and then it's reuse and then finally it's recycle. So there's a reason that we are told that common saying in that order. It's because it's in the order of importance. And so that's incredibly useful and incredibly important to remember. And I also want to tell people that this isn't all on you. This is something that the system has to change 
and the industry should be held accountable for this. So do what you can, but this does not rest on your shoulders. I talked with Janet Helm, a food and nutrition trend guru, who told us what would be driving the food trends this year. This is absolutely fascinating. The single major driver of trends in 2023 is under pressure. Because of global you know, instability, people are want to control their health more. They want to control their finances. Uh, we've had so many you know, climate emergencies, extreme weather, whether it's floods or fires. You know, so people are really getting serious about climate change. So we're looking at the pressure of that and trying to make more choices, better choices uh, for planetary health, not just personal health, but planetary health now. So all of that is just kind of the the pressure that we're all feeling to control our health, to improve the planet, the environment, and our finances. The, The finances coming into 2023, you know, is a major factor with food inflation and, you know, record food prices, gas prices. So that's absolutely impacting um, food culture in the coming year. On this episode, I spoke with Steph Grasso, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and TikTok influencer about the craziest nutrition misinformation that she sees on this social media platform daily. Wait until you hear this. They're taking this black liquid and apparently you parasites come out when you use the bathroom that's what they claim and they show it and they're these long worms um it looks like worms and they take this to de-blow and to uh detox their body and with this one specific brand it's called paragard and there has been some research with this one specifically where it's actually doing a lot of harm to your intestines and some researchers claim that those worms that they're seeing is actually part of their lining of the intestine because it's damaging their gut yeah (laughs) goodness oh it's yeah The low and no alcohol beverage category is booming. I interviewed Justin Kissinger, the CEO of the Worldwide Brewing Alliance, to explain to me why there isn't any vodka in my vodka. Let's listen. It's probably best for people who are having real issues with controlling their alcohol use. So people who are alcoholics, people who have an alcohol use disorder, People who are worried that they may have an alcohol use disorder, these products are not designed for them. If that's what an, an individual is concerned about, I mean, that that is something that they should be talking about with their, their healthcare professional. Um, they should be taking the steps that they they need in, uh, you know, in order to, to deal with those issues. Uh, these products are, are not designed or marketed for people as uh, an aid for stopping drinking where you really need to stop drinking for some particular reason. It's much more a tool for moderating consumption uh, within occasions for people who are are already choosing to drink. 
uh, or for people who would generally choose to drink in a certain way, uh, but can't have alcohol. So if you enjoy drinking beer, but I don't know, you're, you're pregnant, you could have a zero alcohol beer as an alternative to stay in the occasion. I come from uh, a place where I just don't think that these products are something that, that we should be putting in, in front of people who have uh, alcoholism or who are in recovery. That's not really the purpose of them. Should we be worried about pesticide residues on fruits and vegetables? Dr. Carl Winter sets us straight on this hot topic, and you are going to be surprised. The levels of pesticide residues that we see on foods are typically very tiny, small levels, far below the levels that uh, we as toxicologists would consider to be levels of, of concern. It's not to say that we're not exposed to pesticide residues. We clearly are. But we have a saying in toxicology, it's the dose makes the poison. It's the amount of the pesticide, not its presence or absence that determines the potential for harm. And a lot of the reporting we hear simply points to the presence of pesticides without considering the amounts we're exposed to. Typically, if our typical exposure to pesticides in the diet is often 1 million times lower than levels that if we feed to laboratory animals on a daily basis throughout their lifetimes, doesn't even produce any effects in those laboratory animals. So, um, you know, we do have exposure. Our exposure is very, very low and not um, at a level to constitute a health threat. It's also, you know, pointed out that farmers, you know, because they're allowed to use pesticides, they will use pesticides all the time. In fact, that doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint either. Uh, farmers are looking for all kinds of different ways to control the pests or to decide whether they need to control the pests or not. So pesticides are one tool out of many different tools that they have they, they can use. They're only going to use them judiciously because it's going to cost them money. There's paperwork, uh, uh, extra employees, uh, the cost from purchasing the pesticides, everything. That's all a cost. So they're not going to do it unless they've convinced themselves that that's in their best interest. And doing so, uh, as long as they're following the uh, regulations that are, are quite uh, stringently set by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the residues, if any, that show up on the crop should be at levels far below levels of health concern. What's the latest story on fish? Should we only consume wild caught rather than farm raised? Spoiler alert, both can be sustainable and more importantly, delicious. Uh, when it comes to sustainability, first and foremost, I think we need to look at seafood as how we use it which in America, and assuming most of the people that are going to listen to this with us here, uh, we use seafood as the center of the plate. And therefore, we need to look at it as in, in sustainability terms as opposed to other things we put at the center of the plate. Beef, pork, chicken, lamb, veal, turkey, goat, uh, etc. Land animals, right? And when we do so, across five very important sustainability metrics from greenhouse gas emissions, freshwater use, antibiotic use, feed conversion ratio, meaning how much food do we put into the system to take food out, and land use alterations, meaning how much rainforest do we plow under to plant soybeans to feed you know, to the fish. Across all five of those metrics, seafood comes out on top or on par with the very best of land animal responsibly produced. And so when it comes to sustainability, if you are going to eat an animal protein, make it seafood. 
Like just bottom line is seafood sort of has a fin up in the sustainability game across the board. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot of detail within the very complicated category of seafood to address. But the bottom line is we need to be choosing seafood, just saying seafood is what's for dinner, for environment and for public health reasons. And when it comes to the difference between aquaculture and wild capture, the bottom line is it's all seafood. There is unsustainable wild and sustainable wild. There is unsustainable farmed and sustainable farmed. But the bottom line is we need to choose seafood. We need to trust retailers uh, who have largely done a very good job in the past decade plus of really making available great quality, sustainable products for us. And you know, there's, there's great sources out there that we can look to uh, in order to, to help us make those decisions. But first and foremost, decide that seafood is for dinner. I want to thank you all for being a loyal listener to Spot On. And we are cooking up a fabulous season 10 that will be released soon. So stay tuned and stay healthy. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salgy Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?